Well, good evening. Uh, can everybody hear me? I didn't. I wasn't sure. Not yet. I wasn't sure if I put this song right. How about now? Better. Well, I'll just I'll just talk louder. How about that? We'll we'll do it that way. Well, first I'd like to thank uh, them for asking me to come up and and to share uh, uh, how God's love has shown itself in my life. Uh, I was actually saved uh, last year at this very conference, sitting right over here. Um, Tuesday night, just like this, but it was actually on last Thursday for the date, so July 12th of last year. So I'd like to open with just a, a verse at the young people's uh, gathering. Rex was talking about having a, a life verse, uh, and this is kind of interesting because this was, in a sense, my life verse before I was a believer, <clears throat> and it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So it says, uh, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Uh, the reason that was my uh, favorite verse at the time, before I was a believer, was because this was uh, nearly impossible for me to do. Uh, what it says in 3, 5, and 6, to trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, didn't really make much sense. Um, I was born and raised uh, Catholic. I come from a Catholic family, and uh, we were a Catholic family that um, many of you probably hear that people are Catholic, and then you ask them, oh, so you know, where do you go to church, and this and that, and they say, oh, we don't go to church, but we're Catholic. And you wonder how that takes place. But if you were you know, born of a family that once went to a Catholic church, you can probably say you're Catholic and get away with it. Um, we weren't like that. We went to church every Sunday. Uh, I was a, an altar server for uh, about six, six years. Uh, and we would have meetings once a month for the altar servers on a Thursday night. We were at Mass every Sunday, and I, if I had to go and serve, altar serve on Saturday, I still had to be at Mass on Sunday with my parents. I had a grandmother that lived with us who wakes up every morning bright and early and prays for an hour or two and has her little devotion. So I knew and believed in Jesus Christ. I believed that there was a God. And I believe that Jesus Christ came, died on the cross for my sins, was buried, and three days later rose again. I believed all of that. But I wasn't saved. I was not a believer. About five and a half years ago, I met a girl that went to Claremont Bible Chapel. And I met her, and two weeks later we started dating. And everything was great. We really enjoyed each other's time, and we really enjoyed each other's company. But as we continued to date, there came a point when the serious talk started to happen of, well, what do you really believe, and, you know, would you come to church with me? And she asked me kind of the checklist that you would ask, you know, do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe he came and died for your sins? Died and rose again, third day. I'd say, yes. She'd say, oh, are you saved? I'd say, no. So I knew that I wasn't saved because I didn't believe you could be saved. I did not believe that you could know that you were going to heaven. That concept uh, did not make sense. I did not believe that you could know until after you had died and then he would look at your life and you would be judged. Not necessarily that it was in a scale of good works and bad works, but that he was going to judge in a way that was perfectly righteous. And I believed that. So I figured, if man is telling me one thing, that's okay. I'll have to answer one day, and we'll see who is right. 
And that was my thinking. So as you can tell, I was this very humble person and didn't have any issues uh, with anybody speaking to me about faith or religion. Kathy and I continued to date, and it got more and more difficult because we both really loved each other, but we knew it wouldn't work out. We knew we couldn't get married how we were. So she continued to pray, and she continued to bring me out to everything she could. Everything that I agreed to come out to, she would bring me to, different conferences. I've actually heard our brother Mike Adwood speak uh, twice before at the spring conference. And I would come, and we would talk about the messages, and I would talk back and forth that I really enjoyed him and this and that. But when it came to the point in, are you saved? I still said no, because it still didn't make sense. I still didn't believe you could know for sure. And when I tell people now why it is I couldn't believe, I tell them it's pride. And pride is a very general thing. So lately, people have been asking me, well, what is it specifically? What does pride mean to you specifically? And so I had to come up with an answer. And the answer was, to me, it seemed, I knew everyone wasn't going to heaven. I knew that to be true. But it seemed to me that the way of salvation had to be a difficult way of life, denying yourself of the pleasures that you partake in, and it, that you had to live in a certain character. That it would be difficult, but it wouldn't be too difficult for me. It would be difficult for other people, but I could do it. Other people would struggle, but I would go the right way. So that's what I mean by pride. Pride in the sense that I am better than other people. I can do it on my own. So, it came to a point where Kathy and I had to part ways, and we broke up for a time. And it was, a, it was an ugly time. Um, so she prayed even more fervently, not necessarily that I would be saved so we could be together, but that I would be saved so that I wouldn't go to hell. And that's when things changed. She prayed that something would come into my life that would make me question everything that I was stubborn about everything that I was prideful about. And it took about a week. And it all came crumbling down. And uh, uh, my brother's here, you know, praise the Lord, and his, his girlfriend. But uh, my family almost fell apart. Uh, things got really, really difficult. And we weren't sure what was going to happen. Um, and at that point, I turned to God and I said, God, I can't do this. I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing right now. And it was the first time in my life where things didn't make sense and I was unsure. And I was actually open. So as we like to say, God was, was tilling the soil and preparing it. So I reached out to the person who I trusted at the time the most, and that was Kathy. And so she, I told her everything that was going on, and she ran back home and started writing down um, Bible scriptures. She wrote uh, about three pages front and back of just uh, encouragement and things that uh, uh, to know that God has written his word that we may know we can be saved, that we may know what took place, that his promises are true. <clears throat> so we got back together, and I agreed to come out to more things, more events. And I would go, and I was, I was nicer about it, because in the beginning I was fairly mean. Um, but it started to work, and it started to bring up more questions. So... When Yosemite came up, I'd already been up here the year before, but I was going to come up again because I enjoyed it so much. Larry Price was giving a message on the book of Proverbs. 
and he was speaking at the time from chapter 1, and I'm just going to read it for you. <clears throat> the thing that stood out to me a lot was, it's Proverbs chapter 1, if you want to follow along, verse 20 to the end of the chapter. And it says, Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse. In the openings of the gates in the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called, and ye refused, I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded. But ye have set at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. Larry took the time to point out that when in the Word of God, when it refers to the Spirit laughing, it's not normally a good thing for us. Um, so that caught my attention. You know, <clears throat> It says, When your fear cometh as desolation, and your destruction cometh as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge, and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way, and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them, and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from fear of evil. And that was basically his, his message that evening, and he also quoted a verse from Romans 3, it's verse 19, and this was a big one for me because I always knew I was a sinner. You know, when you, whenever you speak with a born-again believer, normally the question will come up, well, do you believe you're a sinner anytime you're talking about salvation? And for me, that's an easy answer. Of course, I am a sinner. That, you know, I had no bones about that. I had gone to a Catholic church where you were required to go to confession a certain amount of times, and so I had confessed many, many sins in my past. <clears throat> and I wasn't one of those people that walked into the room and just said, yeah, I've been kind of bad. You know, it was laid out what the sins were. It wasn't uh, just going to, to go through the tradition of things. But I didn't know that I was already guilty of the sin I had committed. This idea that I had of going up in the end and being judged was future to me. But in Romans 3.19, it shows us that, no, you're guilty already in your sin. You've already been judged because you've already sinned, and one sin is too much. So Romans 3.19 says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. That really stuck out to me. And I think that was the, the time when I started getting a little nervous about uh, everything I had thought before. <clears throat> and he put it this way, and I had never heard it actually this way, or I probably had and just ignored it. He said, if you have not placed your trust in Christ as your Savior, then you're going to hell. It's that simple. And I didn't understand what that meant. What am I trusting in? You know, when they say place your trust in Christ, what, is that, what does that mean? What, what do I have to do? Tell me what I have to do. That's how I felt. So he invited everyone to stay after. If you had questions, stay after, and I'd be happy to speak with you. So I leaned over to Kathy, and I told her the words she'd been wanting to hear for a long time. I think I'm going to stay after. And she immediately, not wanting to alter my course, said okay, and left and grabbed a few people and started praying. 
And so I was kind of waiting here, and somebody had already gotten uh, Larry's attention before I could get to him. So I was standing about right here, feeling like a fool, because I was standing by myself, and I didn't know what to do. I was like, well, I don't want to just stand in line. It's going to make me feel even more, like more of a fool. And I was going to turn and walk away, because I don't like feeling like a fool. Again, I'm very humble. But um, as I went to turn and walk away, you know, praise, I can praise the Lord today that our God is a seeker of men. Dave Dixon, gentleman up here, stopped me. Just casually, how are you doing? You enjoying the conference? You having a good time? said, oh yeah, I love it up here. It's great. And then he, you know, what are you doing tomorrow? This and that. Are you coming over for the singing? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'll be there. Did you have any questions you'd like to ask? And I said, Larry talked about trusting in Christ as your Savior. What does that mean? What does it mean to trust? So I feel kind of bad because all these years Kathy and I would have conversations and just arguments and one of us would end up in tears and just, you know, mad as a hornet's nest. And then I come to Dave and the first question I ask him is, how do I trust Christ when I could have asked her all along? And he said, you know, why don't you sit down here and you call the brother Joe Reese, the other speaker over. And they started asking me about my past, and I was telling them. And I said, you know, I believe that I have to live out my life and at the end be placed and be judged. And Joe Reese very wisely said, well, you can do that if you want. But God's kind enough to tell you what will happen if you do. Because Romans 3.10 tells us that as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And that the wages of sin are death. So right then I said, well, how do I trust Christ? What am I trusting in? And Dave took me to John 3.16. And he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that if Justin believes in him, he shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is a promise that's been given to you. Do you trust him? Do you trust that when you stand at the gates and the book of life is open, and he says, Why should I let you in? He said, Because you said, If I trust in Jesus Christ, according to John 3.16, you have to let me in. Do I trust that that's enough? Do I trust that Christ's work was enough? Do I truly believe that he was died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and rose again as proof that it was accepted by God? And this immediate feeling of sorrow came over me. That I had been living my life like a fool. And it didn't feel good. All the sin, waving my hand at God, telling him I was right, going against him completely. And all this time he was seeking after me. Working all those years, bringing Kathy into my life, bringing all the brothers and sisters at Claremont into my life to show me that there was a God that loved me. And it was just an amazing time. And I told Dave and Joe, I, I, you know what? I've been living this way, but I trust God's word. And I'm going to hold him to it when I get there. <laughs> so the thing was for me, what am I actually trusting in? And I'm trusting in the word that God said is true. He made a promise. And I accepted that promise. And I'm going to hold on to it, and he's going to hold on to me. And he, I can't get out. So what I'd like to encourage you all with is the fact that God had brought someone into my life 
who had a burden in her heart to see me saved. And she didn't compromise. And I'd wanted to marry her since the day I met her because of her character. And her character used to frustrate me to no end because it didn't agree with what I was saying. But she did not compromise. And she continued steadfast. And all those times I would go to her with her to church, I used to ask, will you come to with me? And she'd say, no. <laughs> that normally didn't end well. But I'm thankful for it now. And so if you have those people in your life, you cannot compromise. You cannot change the message. There's one message, there's one way, and there's one Savior. And it's not enough to just, oh, I believe in God, Jesus, that He died on the cross. No, what are you trusting in? What's your answer when someone says, are you going to heaven? You say, yes. Why? If you don't have an answer, I encourage you to think about it. Dwell upon it. You are here for a reason, and God has brought you here for a reason. And for those that have an answer, that we still have time to go out and share it with others. That He's given us this time that we may go out and reach out to those that He wants desperately more than anything else right now. So again, I'd just like to thank you for having me up here. And a uh, special thanks to Doug Dixon. He was the first gentleman that I told I'd accepted the Lord. And the whole time I had thought this thing of brother was hokey. Oh, brother this, brother that, what is all that about? But you know what? He said, welcome, brother, and he gave me the biggest hug I think I've ever had. And I knew exactly at that moment what it was all about. So I'd like to thank you all for having me. When are you getting married? Oh, yeah. It all turns out well. I'm getting married October 6th.